Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 22, I believe this is. I'm losing count now with so many episodes. I only count as far as 20, so... Uh, so thank you so much for joining us, everyone. So I am, as always, joined by Thomas Bex. Hello, Thomas. How are you? Hey, Sersha. How are you? I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, I had a long day at work, and I'm looking forward to uh, chat a bit about our favorite genre. Yeah, no, me too. This is um, yeah, this is my favorite t- time of the the week now because you know at work, you know, I'm thinking. Oh, you know, I just want to go home and just either play adventure games or talk about these these games. So now the the moment has finally arrived. So, have you uh, have you recovered yet from the football? Oh well, you know, um, reaching the final for the Netherlands was a dream come true, and um, you played against the the world's best women's football team ever. So. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't win. We we gave him one hell of a fight. That he did. And uh, we are proud of our women, of our ladies, and of the silver medal. And we did fantastic. So sh- the 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 disappointment lasted maybe an hour or so, and then uh, pride took over, and the great great um, things our ladies did over there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the U.S. women's team are the best team in history uh, so far. Uh, now, speaking from an Irish point of view, Ireland, I don't think I've ever been in a final, unless it's a Eurovision. <laughs> and so, No, the, the Irish have, uh, were in the recent uh, World Cup field hockey final against the Netherlands. Oh, that's, yeah. Did, did we... And that was the first ever uh, final a Irish team reached, the first ever World Cup final. Wow, I didn't know that. I presume the Netherlands won, because I think we would have known about it over here. <laughs> We crushed you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, a final that you guys didn't lose. That's <laughs> that's impressive. Well, in field hockey, we are uh, field hockey. We are the world's greatest team. So <laughs> okay, so you're you're the American women's football team of field hockey. Yeah. So yeah, or the Brazilian football team or the German football team. Okay. We have some games to talk about, and also in this episode, excitingly, two podcasts collide, and I believe there were. And there were explosions. There was an earthquake that could be heard as far as Galway. So you're okay, Thomas. You've have you heard any aftershocks? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good. Oh, I'm that's good. good. Glad I was uh, I was in a safe place. That's good. No, because recently I had a chance to speak with Scott Clark and Chris Berensmeyer of the Gaming Outsider podcast, and they spoke to me about some of recent adventure games that they've been playing. So, yeah, that's coming up later in the episode. First, we'll get to some of the news. And I suppose there's only one place to start, and that's with Adventure X, which I mentioned last week. And huge thank you to Adventure X for releasing the big news on a Thursday, the day after I finished recording. So, (laughs) I, um, but I went back and re-recorded. But no, the tickets went on sale on Friday at 12 p.m. GMT. But they sold out very, very quickly because I went online at 12.04 and the early bird, the cheaper ticket, had all sold out. So we could only get the other tickets. 
and that day they had all sold out. Now, for anybody who still wants to go to VentureX, they, uh, the British Library will be putting the ticket for sale in about a month or two. AdventureX don't have specific details yet, but as soon as they do, we will mention it here on this podcast. But I'm looking forward to it. But the the most important news, Sersha, is that we got tickets. Yes, exactly. We will be there. We will be at AdventureX this year and for more than one day. And hopefully we'll get to sleep. I won't be sleep deprived like last year where I was like a zombie <laughs> going around adventure games. So we <laughs> we will be there. We will be wearing adventure game podcast uh, jumpers or hoodies or t-shirts or something. It will be easily recognizable. So if people want to come talk to us, you know, come come chat to us, come say hi. So uh, we will be talking about this, I'm sure, in the weeks and months leading to it. No, I'm really looking forward to it, to, to speaking to some of the people there and some of the people who are on our Discord and who I've spoken to, but they also said that they will be there. So it'll be great to see them in person. And yes. th- this is your first time going there, right? For me, it's the first time, yeah. I only found out about this event last year and then it was too late for me to uh, to go there. So I was really looking forward to uh, to getting there. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, uh, I... I got the opportunity to join you on the podcast and uh yeah now it's it makes more than uh, more than enough sense to uh to be present at that event and see what news and interviews we can uh we can come up with there yeah no absolutely and uh, uh you know there's a lot of game developers a lot of people i spoke with and some big names as well you know the, of course Dave Gilbert, Francisco Gonzalez, my new best friends, and or you know <laughs> Franny and Davy as I call them, <laughs> as probably nobody else calls them though. And also Charles Cecil has been known to to be there. I spoke to him very very briefly last year, which was very exciting. I as you can probably imagine, and uh, yeah, we will definitely be recording there, doing interviews there. So really looking forward to that, and we'll be speaking more about that as well. And uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, Tomas? Well, I came across an interview, or an interview, I came across an article in uh, Metro Online. And uh, it immediately caught my eye, of course, because it said, I wish they'd bring back Monkey Island. Mm -hmm. And it's a reader's feature um, in which, uh, as the intro goes, a reader laments the demise of LucasArts and calls upon Disney to allow a remaster, remake, or preferably a sequel to Monkey Island. Okay. Um, have you read that article as well? Yes, I have, and I do have some opinions. <laughs> the writer says that uh, he's very, very positive about the old, uh, uh, old Lucasfilm games and uh, LucasArts uh, games, and he misses them. And I can totally imagine. Oh that. yeah, no, absolutely. Now, first of all, I I think it's great when you know that someone is writing about adventure games and about the LucasArts games as well, Monkey Island games for a more mainstream audience because the Metro is not just for gamers or adventure gamers. And I, you know, I also love those games and I've played them and replayed them as well. And you can clearly see that he or she is very passionate about these games and about them as well. Now they do mention some things which I don't completely agree with. Now he says that he would like, uh, you mentioned a remaster or a remake to uh, the first two Monkey Island games. I believe he mentioned there as well. To The Secret of Monkey Island as well. Now, the thing is, we already have had a remake and a remaster of these games. Admittedly, they were released 10 years ago. 
But he does mention that we, you know, he would like or she would like the original voice actress to return. Now, of course, as I'm sure you remember, the original versions of those games had no voice actors, and so I, my personal opinion is I love those games, but I think we've already had remakes of those games already. We've had remastered. We've had. Uh, Tim Schafer, Ron Gilbert, and Dave Grossman giving commentary. They've already updated the graphics. And so he also mentioned that he would like to see those games remade in 3D. Now, I don't mind 3D, uh, you know, if it's done well. But I just think with those games that they have a certain amount of charm. And I don't think that he would add anything by making them 3D. We already had... Escape from Monkey Island in 3D, which didn't turn out so good. And uh, now he, he does make some uh, some good points. You know, he said he'd like a game where he could walk around, like uh, Life is Strange. And he also has, you know, an idea where you could have two-player game in Monkey Island. So it might be interesting if you play as Guybrush Treepwood and Elaine Marley. However, as I mentioned, you know, those games have been released. Those games have already had remakes and remastered. And so I personally think we should leave those two games alone because I love those games the way they are. And, you know, I think we should concentrate on new games. Now, the one thing that I would mention, if there was going to be a sequel, I think a lot of people probably agree, is I would still love to see Ron Gilbert's sequel, you know, or his end of the trilogy and how he would envision to to make it. Um, but then again, I'm not I'm not sure because can you imagine... The horror if Ron Gilbert makes his third Monkey Island, but in the end, we don't really like it. I mean, I know it sounds, you know, crazy to think about, but can you imagine if that happened? That, you know, it would be worse than him not making a thing. So I'm just very what it, what it, cautious it, about it. It would this. be a bit like, yeah, of course, but it, it would be a bit like, um, how do you say that? Um, like what you see now on TV where they do uh, sequels of uh, TV shows that have been off the air for like 15 or 20 years and some of them are really good and some of them are absolutely not good right so it, right. it could be that his indeed that his vision would be uh, not because people have a lot of opinions nowadays and um, oh, instead yeah. of taking <laughs> yeah and instead of accepting the thing for what it is, People have a tendency, and I probably do that myself a bit as well, for uh, um, crashing a game or whatever work of art it is for not being what they wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I mean? Oh, like definitely. You saw it with Game oh, of Thrones. Yes. You saw it with Game of Thrones. You see, you saw it, and uh, in, 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 you see it every time. For instance, now uh, uh, I've heard people say the same about Strangest Things season three, which I loved, but you know. Just because it's not what you wanted it to be does not mean it's bad. Mm -hmm. It's just different. Yeah, and it's almost yeah. as if as if that disappointment gives them, or if if, if their fandom gives them some sort of rights over over that property, and it doesn't work that way. No, ab absolutely. No, the same thing with the new, with the latest uh, Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi, that was very divisive. I myself liked it, but I know a lot of people did not like it, and how Luke Skywalker turned out as well it wasn't how they envisaged him turning out now i know that people do have very strong opinions but yeah no i understand oh. i understand what to be so if ron gilbert you know if and i don't think it will happen but if he did make his have his ending i'm sure that there will be people who will complain that who won't be happy and uh so i don't know i mean i'd, I'd love to see what he could do but i'm not sure now 
all that said, it's an interesting article. I recommend people read it. I would uh, I would put it up on the show notes. I'm exactly not a big fan of 3D. Um, <laughs> in in that way, as in like uh, the way it was used in the third Gabriel Knight uh, uh, game, for instance. Mm-hmm. But um, I do like combinations of, um, for instance, in Heaven's Fold is uh, 3D surroundings, but done uh, with um, um, cell shaded uh, animations, for instance. If it's used like that, or if it's used in uh, the third Monkey Island uh, uh, game, I love that. That that mm. is fantastic. If it gives that 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 comic-y, uh, uh feel, I have no problems with that. But the way this reader um, envisions it, I don't see that um, happening or in that way. But I would still love to see a new Monkey Island game. Oh sure, um, I think we all would. Yeah. But but then again, yeah. you know, I think we should try and consider new games. Like we've played some great games this year ourselves. You know, like. Uh, it was Clam Man, which, you know, okay, well, not maybe not on level of Monkey Island, was still great. Uh, Heaven's Vault, which you played, which you really loved as well. So oh, all, spirit, all spiritual successors to those exactly. and, games that, that came out in the late 80s and, uh, and early 90s. I mean, it's all influenced by the same uh, creators there. So, yeah, of course, so. Uh, there's... there's their, their spirit lives on mm-hmm. in, in all those other games that are created now. But that does not mean that I would not want to see a new Monkey Island game. Sure, no, I, 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 I completely agree with you. I would love a new Monkey Island game myself as well. But, uh, but yeah, so that article will be there on the show notes. So, uh, so yeah, now then, I just mentioned again, as I mentioned last week, that Gearworks Productions have a game on Indiegogo. It is still on Indiegogo. It is Mind Trap. It is... Uh, an escape the room game which focuses on the narrative and is inspired by the Twilight Zone. So that looks interesting. There's a trailer on it. I included the trailer last week uh, on the podcast. You can see the trailer. So if you go uh, to the site on Indiegogo and the game is Mind Trap, which looks interesting. So I'd encourage people to check it out. We talked about uh, Theropods last time and you mm-hmm. discussed the game with uh, the developers. And um, it is available now on to to back it in on kickstarter which uh, you already did and i also did now mm-hmm. so i hope uh, a lot of our listeners will go to kickstarter check out uh, theropods and decide to put in a few euros there as well yes or dollars or yeah. pounds or whatever. whatever currency you use <laughs> yeah um uh, yeah no it's uh definitely i would would you believe as well that this episode that was available just last week that's at the time of recording, it is the fourth most well visited uh, web well fourth most popular episode uh, of the Adventure Games podcast, and of course the top three guests are number one was Dave Gilbert, number two is Francisco Gonzalez, then the Coles, and then the developers of Terrapods, which is ca- kind of crazy when you think about it because this is their first game. But I'm really really happy to. To see them getting attention. And yeah, I would encourage people to check out their Kickstarter. You can check out the interview I did with them. And uh, check out their Kickstarter. They have a video. They have a trailer. And a demo, which I will talk about now uh, very briefly. Uh, first, another game I wanted to mention on Kickstarter is The Hand of Glory, which I also talked about before. That has been successfully funded. 
And so now they still have stretch goals that they want to to achieve. So you can still uh, you can still back the game as well. It will be completed. It will be made. And now they want to improve further upon it. So best of luck to them. And so so yeah. So now speaking of theropods, there were two demos that I played this past few days. So, you know, Thomas, when you're waiting for about 13,000 years to play an adventure game set in the prehistoric era, and then all of a sudden two come along at once. So, yeah, that happens, happens all the all time, time, right? Movies, TV shows, games, yeah, books. So, great, great minds think alike, right? So, yeah, so I had a chance to play demos of two games set in the prehistoric era, at least partly. First game was, as we talked about very briefly, Theropods. So I played a demo of that, and very briefly in this game, you need to hunt a dinosaur. Now, first of all, for anybody who says it's cruel to hunt dinosaurs, A, they don't exist anymore, probably because they're all hunted, but B, also they, you know, if you're living at that time, you're hungry, you gotta eat, and they're delicious. So, so you start a game playing as the main protagonist. You need to hunt the dinosaur, and then you, you need the the gameplay itself is is particularly easy, but that doesn't mean the game itself is because the you point and you click, so there's no dialogue in it. So you need the help of two tribesmen. So it's really interesting how they did it. So you click, say for example, on a tribesman. And then you move the cursor over to where you want them to go. If they don't want to go there, they will shake their head. And if they do want to go mm. there, they will stroke their chin and then they will go there. And sometimes you need their help to collect objects or to try and, uh, you know, capture the dinosaur. You also need to... There's also some kind of environment puzzles there as well. So you need to use the environment to try and capture this dinosaur in order to hunt it. And it was really interesting. It was, you know, again, very, very unique, very original, the way the developers uh, did it. So you can tell that the developers are really putting a lot of thought and effort into, okay, how do we have this game where the characters don't speak, but how do we have puzzles and move the plot forward as well? So I I won't reveal what happens at at the end of the demo, but I would definitely uh, recommend people try it out if you haven't done so already. It took me about between 15 20 minutes half an hour to do so and yeah and i love the graphics as well we've spoken uh, a lot about that now before we get to the reviews another game which i uh played another demo which i played uh is justin whack and the big time hack now this demo so far a time recording is not yet publicly available but the developer is called warm kitten and the developer's name is Pontus Wittenmark. And he's going to do a Kickstarter for this game probably next month. So I recorded an interview with him. That interview will go up probably around the same time. And now the first thing that I noticed with, about this game are the graphics. They look absolutely amazing. You can see these graphics at uh, warmkitten.com. And it looks like it's a comedy, it's a cartoon animation adventure, but it kind of looks like a HD LucasArts game, you know, with the with the characters, with the backgrounds. It looked really, really nice. And so the story is you play as this guy called Justin, who's an IT programmer. He's in his office 
his girlfriend has just broken up with him and he's still pining for her so he wants to uh you know see how he can get back with her but he uh he's hungry so he wants to make something to eat now i don't want to reveal too much yet but by trying to make himself something to eat he opens a portal and so he's curious so he checks out the portal and he goes mm-hmm. back 13,000 years and so he steps onto to the grass here and would you believe that a caveman jumps into the portal and closes it so he is now stuck in this prehistoric age and the caveman is in modern times so you play then as both Justin Wack who has to try to get back to the current times and as to the future Back to back the future. Back to the future, yes. <laughs> Is it get back to the Without future? Without a DeLorean. Wait, exactly. There's no DeLorean in sight, no DeLoreans in the prehistoric age. And you also play as the caveman. So you can imagine, oh, really? yes, you can imagine playing as a caveman in modern times. And he. First thing he has to do is try and learn how to communicate with the people in this world. So, in this strange time, you know, seeing all these computers. So, I really liked what I played. It was a very short sample of what to expect. But I would definitely recommend people going to warmkitten.com and then you can sign up to a newsletter. And so you'll be told exactly when the Kickstarter is out and find out more details about it. So there'll be more details to come about this game from the developer as well. So, right. So I think uh, that's all for me for the news. Do you have any other news you'd like to share or shall we head to reviews? No, let's head to reviews. I don't have any... uh any news right now perfect this week uh i am going to talk about draugen so draugen is the latest game by red thread uh i was gonna say red thread redemption nope red thread games (laughs) and written and directed by ragnar thornquist the water's cold It's a fjord. You're not going swimming. Boo. You're such a wet blanket, teddy bear. You know I don't like it when you call me- Edward! Edward Charles Harden! So, do you think we'll find your Betty in, uh, what did you call this village? Gravelick? Grovik. She's there. How can you know for sure? I just do. In her letter, she wrote about- But that's months ago. She could have gone anywhere. Betty's here. I know it. I feel it. Something drew her here. Where is everyone? It's like a dead land. As though its soul has departed. Her scarf. I'd know it anywhere. Lizzie, there's someone outside. It might be Betty. Edward. They murdered a child? What does that say? God forgive me. We will find her. Betty's fine. She's a tough cookie. Tougher than you, teddy bear. I dreamed of Betty. She was in the garden, and she called for me. So the story is you play as Professor Edward Harding, 
and your sister, uh, you're both American, but you have Norwegian roots. So your sister is an investigative journalist, and the last you've heard of her is from a small town, a very small fjord in Norway called Gravik. Uh, I probably got the pronunciation wrong, so apologies to all Norwegians and to, well, just about everybody. But, uh, so the game starts, you're worried about your sister. So the game starts, you were on a boat, you were rowing to this uh, very small village. And your companion is a girl called Lizzie. She's about, uh, about 19, 20. And so she's more, you know, the more optimistic fun-loving, adventurous one, and Edward Harding is, uh, you know, the more, um, you know, he's a middle-aged kind of stuffy professor who doesn't want any adventure, he just wants to find a sister and then get out of there and go back to New York. So now you end up on the island, on the fjord, but there is nobody there to greet you. And, oh, I forgot to mention that you have written to people in that uh, village and one of the people there says that uh, she hasn't heard from his sister, but that he is welcome to stay at their house in the farmhouse at the top of a hill. So you arrive there, you see that there's nobody there. So then you decide to go to the house and you knock on the door and again, there's no answer. So Lizzie hmm. uh, persuades you to go in because you're again, you want to follow the law completely saying, no, we shouldn't go in there's, unless we're invited. But she said, look, there's nobody here. And where else are we going to stay? It's, it's raining. It's, there's a storm. So you eventually agree to go in. And again, you don't see anybody in the house. And then you decide to go asleep, wait until morning. But then during the night, you wake up. There's a thunderstorm and lightning. And you think you see a face outside in the window looking in at you, which then disappears very quickly. So you think it's your sister and you go out into the night, into the rain, into the storm and you go searching for your sister. And that's all really I want to say much about the story again is set up because I I don't want to say too much more about it, about the story, because I, I am careful of spoilers. It's, um, you know, the main part of this game is its story. So it's a first person exploration game or a walking simulator bit like Firewatch or uh, Sagebrush, which I played earlier this year. And so you walk around exploring the island, trying to find out more about what happened to the people, where they, you know, what, what, what's happening there, and looking for your sister, and accompanied by this girl called Lizzie. And so now I have to say that the graphics, speaking of graphics, you know, speaking 2D, 3D, they are in 3D. But they are a, probably some of the best that I've seen this year from a game release. I they're absolutely gorgeous. It's yeah. it's uh yeah, it's really well detailed and you know, just you know, the, the graphics and the sound effects, because you have the water coming in, you know, the the tide coming in, and you both hear it and then you see it. It is really realistic. And I have to imagine that they had a relatively low budget, but everything is so detailed, so crisp, and it 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 looked absolutely beautiful. You know, there are waterfalls there as well, there are mountains, and it was a joy to explore this area, this location. I wanted to spend more time there, even, but so the hmm. graphics were absolutely stunning, 
And then also the voice acting is also, I would say, some of the best that I've heard from the adventure game released this year as well. The, the two voice actors are Nicholas Bolton, who plays Edward Harding, and Sky Bennett, who plays Lizzie. And they really help bring these characters alive because I had to say at first Lizzie was... I found her a little tiny bit annoying at first, you know, with her kind of like optimism and her, you know, constant positivity. But maybe it's because I'm a little bit like Edward Harding. But um, but then she grew on me. And a lot of that is down to the voice acting. And and again, you know, she you really do believe that they are these characters and they have a good balance off each other. Uh, you know, a good kind of yin and yang. And the music as well is incredible. There is beautiful kind of orchestra music as well and beautiful kind of choir thing as well. There's sections in the game where you can sit down and do some painting. And during these scenes, then this, you know, really melodic music plays as well. And so it's not a terribly long game. It took me about three hours to play as well. Now, even though overall I did really like it, there were some kind of there were some kind of minor issues that I had with it. First, that I do think I have to say as well. First of all, it's a very linear game. Uh, you know, to give an example, when you're in the farmhouse, you interact with some objects. Now there is one object there. You can see that you can interact with it. There's an icon, but then you can't. He doesn't say anything, and you can only interact with it later on in the game after you find out more from the story and then you interact with that and then that adds more to that section of the story but i thought they could have done it a different way you know they could have had this object maybe in a locked room or somewhere else because it did kind of take me out of the game a little bit momentarily but i mean it's not a huge issue it's a very minor issue but still you know i think they could have done something different with that and then now i don't know how to really talk about this because there were other people as well who had some issues with the ending. Now, obviously, I'm not going to reveal the ending or speak or give any specifics. But with me, there were parts of the ending that I didn't mind, that I had no issues with. And there was another part that I thought could have been explained better. So to be very, very vague about it, there are certain revelations. And, you know, there is something that happens... And I was thinking, okay, any minute now, this is going to be explained in a little bit more detail. And But then the game finishes, and that part wasn't really explained. And I did find that a little bit frustrating, because I wanted that explained. Mm. Now, there are other sections where I thought, no, you know what? It didn't, it didn't really bother me. And even, you know, it's mentioned that, um, you know, oh, if you were writing this as fiction, you would tie everything up in, you know, tie up all the threads, leaving no loose ends. But so clearly they're probably, you know, they're, you know, being a bit meta there. Now, I didn't have any issue. What I did like about the story is that as you find out more and more about the, the village and about what happened to the people, you have to kind of decide yourself kind of what you think happened. So you mention. I think this happened or I think that happened and you do that throughout the game and I did like that. So overall that is an actual feature in the game. Uh yeah, no it's not a main part of of the game like it's you know it there is one ending from what I know. It's very linear and I also must say as well that there are no puzzles in the game. It's all about the story and the exploration and the dialogue with the two characters. So if you are looking for, you know, a, a challenge or some more challenging puzzles 
then this probably is not the game for you. But overall, I did enjoy it. I was emotionally invested in the characters and in what happened, you know, throughout the game. And I, I really liked the characters, in particular Edward Hardy. And I was really rooting for him up until the end as well. I really wanted, you know, to know what happened. And so overall, I would recommend this game, but with some reservations that, you know, again, as I mentioned, there's no puzzles. It's very linear. And, you know, also the ending, it might not work for some people. It overall did work for me. But as I said, I think in particular, the, the graphics, the exploration of, over the place and the voice acting and the sound and the music and everything else really, really made it worth it. I suppose the best thing that I can say is that after playing this game, I really want to go to Norway. So I really just want to walk <laughs> around a place like this. I want to go to Norway now so badly for playing this game. So that's probably the best thing that I can say about it. So, so yeah, there are some things that could have been improved upon, but I definitely would still recommend this game. So that game again is Draugen. It's D-R-A-U-G-E-N. And it is by Red Thread Games and written and directed by Ragnar Thornquist. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do next and what Ragnar does next. I'm not sure if you'll go back to The Longest Journey. I think you mentioned that that is over and speaking about, you know, wanting to move on and all. But whatever he decides to make, I'll be there for it. So, um, and I'd really be curious as well. You know, I'd love to do a spoiler special on this because I really want to talk about the whole story and about the ending. But obviously I don't want to ruin it. But I think there's a lot to talk about. Well, I, I haven't I haven't played it yet, so maybe I should play it first, and then we can do a spoiler yes. uh, episode. I'll be very curious to know what your thoughts on this game and the ending as well. See what you thought, and we could do a discussion. It's so it's not a long game. It took me see it took me about four hours to play this game, and that's me taking my time as well. So, um, but overall, oh, that's that's not so long. No, but overall, I would I would definitely. I said it's linear. There are some plays like you do make some kind of decisions during the game as well so you can definitely replay it but yeah so uh so you've been playing a game as well Thomas, i believe yeah um i've been um real life has been uh, uh quite busy so i could not play as much as i like uh, so after finishing my um, review for heaven's gate with uh, heaven's gate heaven's fault which will go up this week i so I started playing Night Call, and Night Call is uh, a noir adventure. It takes place in Paris, and you play a taxi driver, and you have to uh, solve a murder. Well, in this case, you have to find a serial killer, and um, the police officer, uh, the the detect, there's a detective who basically persuades you to help her with this case because you are obviously not a policeman but um, you uh, as the taxi driver in Paris are in a unique position to find out certain things and um, you are it's very important in this game not to just figure out what the story exactly is or what who the, who, who it's not just a who done it you also have to earn enough money so you can keep driving your taxi and uh, make sure that uh, everything keeps going well, uh, because if you lose your taxi, um, the police office, the, the the detective will um, have no use for you anymore, and the game is over. Which happened to me on my first playthrough. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, because I, I was obviously um, 
uh, trying out things and um i on day six i uh, ran out of money and i ran out of gas oh no <laughs> uh, because because they had to uh come out and give me extra gas that cost me more money and more money than i could make up for so uh they took away my taxi and the game was over and that was very frustrating because i was one day away from solving the case oh man so oh, i really man. have to and this and this was on the easiest level because you have um different um uh difficulties so you go from i played story mode uh which was more focused obviously on the story and you can also play balanced or hard and by hard it is really uh you have to keep track of everything um i've not tried it out yet because uh, i'm always more interested in, in the story so i'm gonna try that first i also i already played a demo of this so it gave me a good positive idea and now with the full game it it's really uh, it's really an intriguing game the the the, the atmosphere is 100 percent noir um it's, it's in paris but it's paris not in a way you usually see it there is some dark humor in there so my first impression is actually uh, pretty good and uh, i hope the next time i play it i get to solve the first case and don't lose my taxi <laughs> that, that would be uh definitely recommended if you could keep your taxi i mean that's kind of that sound kind of kind yeah. of sounds like you know the you know like you had one job as a taxi driver keep your taxi so <laughs> Yeah. But uh, yeah. So this is the, yeah. That that is Night Call, and it's published by um, Monkey Moon. It's a, it kind of reminds me in a way of uh, remember the Long Dark, where I mentioned that there are different settings. You know, story mode as well. It's an easy setting, and then very hard setting. Yeah. But even on the story mode, I struggled. You know, through it. Uh, kind of. You know, I mean, it seems like a very different game, but kind of like that. <laughs> that even in story mode, that um, you know, we can. Uh, you know, you can still in this game apparently use your taxi. No, I'm really curious to to try it out myself. Do you know when it's uh, released? July seventeenth. Yeah. Again, speaking of two similar games coming around at once, there is also another attack. No, I have not played this, but there is a demo yet, and I might play this for next time. Try and play the demo so we could compare both. But there's NeoCab, which is also a game where you play as a taxi driver and you have to resolve murders as well. So it's uh, it seems to be. You know, kind of a thing now in adventure games that both set in a prehistoric area and where you play as a taxi driver. But yeah, yeah, but NeoCab is 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 cyberpunk, right? R and uh, yes, Nightcall is Nightcall plays in the now, in the present. Right. Yeah. So they're they're still uh, different. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, different in style, but it it is obviously uh, peculiar that. Um, two taxi games come out uh, at, at around same the same time. time. Yes. So, yeah. So, looking forward to hearing your thoughts in the next review episode in two weeks. So, that was Dragon and Nightcall. So, now, this is uh, we have a special episode, a very unique episode, because, you know I like you, Thomas, we're friends, but you know how sometimes people need to take a break from each other. <laughs> so, Are you cheating on me? Well... You know, like, uh, you know, we're on a, you know, if we can go on a break, but, um, you know, we'd need to do podcasts with other people sometimes, you know, you appear on a podcast, another podcast as well. So from time to time, that is true. So, that is true. So now I have, uh, spoken to those people who you do a podcast with, 
And so uh, I spoke with Scott Clark and Chris Berensmeyer from the Gaming Outsider podcast, and we had a really, really interesting discussion. So first, you know, for people who don't know them, we got to know them a little bit. They talked about the Gaming Outsider. They spoke about the adventure games they played as kids and, uh, you know, what games you know they're into. And then we spoke about some very cheerful topics, um, which include uh, Plague Tale Innocence, set during the Inquisition, where your family is murdered and you have to protect your little brother. And they also spoke about Sea of Solitude, which, uh, yeah, deals kind of with, you know, bullying and depression and all as well. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention that in Draugen... The fun the fun subject. Yes, yeah. Draugen, I forgot to mention as well, I didn't want to go into spoilers, but it does deal with kind of mental health issues as well, a little bit. Not too much, I don't think, but, you know, just to be aware as well. So, yeah, so, but it was a fun, fun discussion. Do you want to hear it? Yes, please. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing what uh, those two guys have to say, because I respect their opinion a lot. So today I am joined by Chris Berensmeyer and Scott Clark from the Gaming Outsider podcast. Uh, did, did I get that name right, Scott? <laughs> yes, you got my name right. I know mine was real difficult to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And Chris, I'm sure I got your name. Your name is so easy to pronounce, right? Like mine, like my first name. <laughs> oh, yes. Without a doubt. I mean. But I, I got your last name correct or more or less uh, you were, you hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, that, that's the first time that's ever happened that somebody pronounced Chris's last name correctly on the first try. Oh I, wow! Now I think I think it's a, a U.S. versus European thing. U.S. people don't understand German phonetics, so oh, even so though last... yeah, my my last, last name, name is, is German, German, but I'm not German at all. To be fair, Chris, <laughs> we don't know a lot of about phonetics here in, in America. No. <laughs> oh well, now. To also, to be fair, I have heard your last name mentioned on your podcast a few times. So. Uh, so he ah, cheated. He cheated. Uh, Got the that in, inside shot there. <laughs> <laughs> Just to destroy the illusion. If you want to still imagine that I'm really smart and can speak German very, very well, you can do that as well. I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> you can have that one, man. Okay, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to speak to you guys. I'm a fan of your podcast, as I was mentioning. So uh, now before we talk about the games that you've played, um, I was wondering if you wanted to introduce yourself, since this is your first time on the Adventure Games podcast. Um, so I don't know if... Uh, uh, Scott, do you want to go first? Sure, that's say? fine. Yeah? Well well, my name is Scott Clark. I'm the editor-in-chief for the Gaming Outsider podcast. We are a video game podcast uh, focused very much on our community and the positive side of video games. Uh, I started this podcast about four years ago with the intent of uh, creating a positive climate around games because I got tired of listening to podcasts and hearing everybody just crap all over games and talking about everything they hated about it. Uh, we wanted to celebrate gaming instead of uh, always looking for an excuse for clickbait or uh, just just anything to be negative. Uh, so about a year ago, I recruited a new team, which included uh, Chris, as well as uh, five other people. And we've been going strong, and uh, we're, we're still pushing forward. Chris, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, Chris, if you want to introduce yourself then. Well, I'm Chris Berensmeyer, also known as CB on the Gaming Outsider. 
Uh, I joined Scott about a year ago doing this. Uh, outside of that, I've been collecting video games semi-professionally for about uh, 12, 13 years now. Uh, I just love games and love to always have the chance and opportunity to talk with people about them. Yeah, no, I'll, I'm the same. I've been, well, as people who listen to the Adventure Games podcast might know, I'm a big fan of adventure games, point-and-click adventure games for over nearly 20 years now. Um, although yeah. I've played other games, but I think with your podcast, the Gaming Outsider podcast, it, the positivity does shine true. That, that's what I notice as well, that you guys are very professional, that you... Um, you speak of it to positive things. And even if there are games uh, that mightn't work as well for you, you still find things positive about them. You don't, as you say, crap all over them. And <laughs> you, you, uh, and also with your community, at least in the Discord community, it's very, very positive that I see as well from the messages that I read that there's, uh, you know, even if people have disagreements, there, you know, from what I can see, there's no abuse, no toxicity. Everybody gets on very well and respects each other. And I think oh. you can really really tell so really good job on that because um, well, thank you very much we've done a we've done a lot of work to cultivate a very positive environment and and like you said there there are disagreements from time to time but for the most part uh we're, we're very respectful of one another and uh shout out to bob from my team because he's the head moderator of our discord channel and and facebook and twitter and he's done a bang up job of uh, keeping everything cleaned up over there on on all three fronts so Kudos to him. Yeah, yeah, no, well, good job to Bob then and to you guys. And uh, definitely recommend people check out your podcast, Game Outsider pod- Podcast. Uh, you talk about all types of games, right? But you do talk about some adventure games, and our very own Thomas also joins every so often. <laughs> yes, most of our adventure game content comes from Thomas himself. Uh, True story. I, 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 <laughs> He he does like uh, adventure games like me, like, uh, um, yes. but but you guys also have played some at least narrative focused uh, games, right? So have you all, uh, have you do you have any early memories of playing any adventure games as kids or as uh, or growing up, or do you have any particular favorite? You know, we'll say narrative games or games with narrative, so we can include action games or uh, role playing games or anything. Well, I think it's impossible to talk about adventure games as a kid without talking about Secret of Monkey Island. Uh, right. I, adored, I adored that series when I was a kid. I played it so much. Uh, I imagine you've talked that one to death on your show, but I also did play the the LucasArts uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was a point-and-click adventure. Not the fate of Atlantis, but the, the yes. Last Crusade. And uh, I really enjoyed that. So I'm I've, I've touched on a few here and there. Mist, Riven. Uh, there was actually a Jurassic Park point-and-click adventure, Jurassic Park Interactive on the 3DO. So I've I've dabbled here and there in the adventure game world. I think the majority of my time with uh, adventure games has been on uh, the Telltale games. Oh, yes. Right, so, yes. Yeah, I'd be hard-pressed to think of a Telltale game that I haven't played. Uh, I haven't completed them all. But I've definitely dabbled in uh, almost all of them. Pretty, pretty sure the yeah. only one I know that you haven't completed is Back to the Future. And you know what? <laughs> I haven't played the Jurassic Park one either. That and see, that's that's really odd that you haven't played that one because that's the one outside of like Wolf Among Us that I think would be like right up your alley. 
Probably, but I, I, I stayed away from it because I kept hearing bad reviews about it. People were saying that the controls were really clunky, and but I think you might have turned me around for that for that one because that one tells the story of the Barbasol can, right? Yes, it does. So that intrigues me because I always wanted to know what happened to that that Barbasol can. So. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I think I remember now. Yes, no. The thing about the Jurassic Park Telltale game is. I don't think I've played most of the Telltale games, including before Jurassic Park and before Back to the Future and The Walking Dead and that. Um, and it's certainly not my favorite of their games, and I do think it has some issues like the controls. But I think I really enjoyed the concept of it because you were more the director of it than the player like you. It's kind of hard to explain that you're, it's a certainly a very original, unique game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I did really enjoy was the but I think that what they did with that world as well, they put you in that world. And to me, it felt like Jurassic Park. It's like, okay, I'm in this world again. I suppose nowadays, probably the, one of the most popular, at least with the adventure game community, are the Wadjetai games, which Thomas also has played, you know, by Dave Gilbert, uh, Unavowed, mm-hmm. which I think is amazing. Um, I think that was his uh, again, favorite game of last year, actually, if I remember correctly. It was, and it was mine as well, above Obradin. So it's, it, it worked so, so well. So because it's also tried something new with, um, you know, kind of like, uh, the, uh, what is it? Um, uh, the math, you know, the Bioware, the older Bioware games, where you have a team of uh, players, you choose two or choose two other people to go with you, but it's an adventure game. So there's, it's not an RPG, there's no stats. And it's focused mainly on the story. And you have some choices to make as well. But it's such a good story and such great writing. And um, I definitely recommend that. So anyway, we're here to talk about games that you guys have played recently. So uh, we're going to talk about A Plague Tale Innocence and Sea of Solitude. Two games which neither myself nor Tomas have had the chance to play yet, unfortunately. But I do hope we uh, get to play them at some point. So... Uh, Scott, I believe... Uh, oh, no, we can start. Uh, Chris, you played A Plague Tale Innocence, correct? Yes. You, and, and you finished the game? Yes, that game is phenomenal. I promise you, tonight we shall dine like kings. But the feast isn't on your plate quite yet. No! Go, Leon! Don't lose the scent! This sunshine won't last long. We're lucky to be in this house. Mother? Shh, you are to stay here with your brother. Move! Come on! I won't ask again. Where is your son? Amicia! You have no idea. Leave while you still can. Kill the sister! Take the boy alive! You must protect him. You stupid or what? I am not stupid! I know you, Amicia de Rome. Amicia, you killed him. They want to. There's something in the ground, Amicia. I'm sorry, I'm sick. No, no, no. So what's the game about for people who might not have heard? Because I haven't really spoken about it much on this podcast. So what, what's the setup of the game? 
So it is a story of a brother and sister that takes place in the Middle Ages around the time of the like infamous Black Plague and their search to kind of grow together and find out what is causing everything. Uh, and you kind of discover that your you, you primarily play as the sister, but you discover that your brother has some abilities that are linked with the rats that exist. And it's, okay. it's a, it's a very interesting adventure trek f- through France in that time of just discovering like all these different hidden things and basically pushing yourselves and having the will to survive through everything that's going on, even with the loss of your family and whatnot. Okay, so because I, I'm immediately curious about the time period. I don't think there are many games set in that time period during the Middle Ages and the Inquisition. Which is um, shocking to me because that just seems like yeah. a, a time period ripe for video games. It just, it, it, I, when I started playing this one myself, I was like, why have we not seen more games in this time? And I, and I will say that they do take some pretty creative liberties with the story in terms of uh, what actually happened versus what's going on in this story. But it is still an absolute joy to play. It really yes. Is. And it, for me, there, there are games that take place during that time period, but usually you get like the traditional hack and slash or action type yep. games. This is one of the first times I've seen a true narrative story game that takes place in that time frame. Especially one that's as, that's paced as well as this one is. Yes, you, it is brilliantly paced because you are never doing one thing for very long. You are constantly just moving forward and learning new mechanics at a great clip, and you never even have time to get bored with the story because you're just constantly moving forward at at, uh, at a pace that works perfectly for me. So, truly, one of the, I, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't finish it. Uh, Chris, or actually not Chris, but uh, Zach reviewed this one for us. So when somebody else finishes a game and reviews it for our site, I tend to not finish it so I can move on to something else I can review. But I would love to dive back into this one and finish it up because the story is great. Right. Okay. That's, that's really good to hear. Um, I should really check it out then. (laughs) Yes. And, and, and and yeah, now you mentioned as well that, so you play as this girl looking after her brother, and they're they're quite young, right? From what I remember from the trailers, at least. She's probably early teens, like yeah, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and he's five, five, six in that era. Mm-hmm. At its at its core, this is a stealth game because there's there's never a moment of combat. You're not swinging. Well, that's not necessarily true. You do have a sling as a weapon but it's used primarily for distraction techniques. You're trying to get from point A to point B without getting distracted or using the environment to distract guards or uh, on occasion attracting the rat plague to guys to get them out of your way. And I don't know, there's something very satisfying and rewarding about that. Zach on our show talks about how he misses the, the, you know, eight to 12 hour single player narrative experiences and that's exactly what this game is. It doesn't overstay its welcome. And it, it, it tells a very interesting, unique story that uh, I, I really hope that your listeners will will give a shot. Because it is, it is definitely well worth your time. 
Not to mention, as as you progress through this game, I don't think there's ever a point in time in this game where you don't truly feel that you're out of not out of danger. Right. The the danger element is always there, and it's it's very well crafted as far as the story goes. I think um, a good word to, to describe the setting is harrowing. You're just yes. always on the edge of your seat, but uh, it, it also never feels overly difficult. I never feel like I was out of my element or really had to retry pieces of the story over and over again. There's a couple times that I died where I, I did something dumb, but uh, it just it just moves so well, and I never got frustrated like I do with a lot of games like this where I got to trial and error my way through it. it just things just worked like if you've played a video game in the past and you know how the mechanics work you're going to do just fine and not get frustrated yeah and right one one of my biggest takeaways and some somebody mentioned this and i can't remember who it was scott but uh i'm actually looking forward to actually playing the game again but in its original language i think that was uh, the guys from the exb cast they were talking about they were playing it in in french, in french. Said it made it made all the difference in the world. Yes, and so I kind of want to go back and do that. Yeah, right. I was, was going to ask you that the next question. So originally it was in French, was it by a French uh, studio, and then they dubbed it in English. Is that yes? Because it, correct. It's set in France. Okay, because now I've I've just seen one of the you know the trailers, and uh, what so what was your opinion of, of the voice acting in the game then because uh, you might you probably you will have a better idea than me just watching a trailer but what was the voice acting in general like the the english voice acting to me was solid but there were moments where it kind of fell flat because i'm i'm guessing either some loss in translation or just due to the fact that it wasn't recorded in its original language that some some things weren't conveyed as well as they could have been. Mm-hmm. I would say as a person who did not complete the game, this is some of the best voice acting you'll get for a $40 title. Again, I don't know what that translates to okay. euros for you over there, but uh, you're, you're, you're yeah. getting a good value. <laughs> okay. No, because as I said, when I saw the, um, the trailer and there were... I believe do the characters have French accents when they're yes. speaking English? Yes. Yeah. Now, from just watching the trailer, it, did that ever get annoying a little bit, or do you get used to it, or did it do it well? I I actually enjoyed it because it okay <laughs> it helps dive deeper into that narrative. Um, because because I did not play it in its original language, it it helps craft that world a little bit better for me. I, I, really, yeah, I really like the lead character's voice. I, I found her soothing and believable when she was frightened. Like when she's just talking to her brother and comforting him, she felt very big sisterly and it felt genuine. So I enjoyed it. Okay, that's good to to hear because uh, now it's not just an issue with with French, but with you know when there are games or movies where the characters. You know they're not supposed to be speaking English, like you know where the typical where people speaking Russian but in English, mm-hmm. so they just put on very fake Russian accents. And um, so I'm glad to see that that doesn't seem to be an issue here that they have kind of bad French accents when they're obviously supposed to be speaking French. Because I believe there was a movie that came out a few years ago. I can't remember the name of it. It's a World War Two movie. 
in France where the Germans have occupied it and it was made in English and what they did was I believe they had the French characters speaking English you know with American accents and then the German characters speaking with British accents so oh man um, I, I can think of a great uh, one like that K-19 Widowmaker oh yes yes I've said it a few years ago that's with Harrison Ford and uh, right and yep. who, who else, is movie, else right? was it? yep uh, where a bunch of American actors force Russian uh, accents. Yeah. And it just, oh, it's not believable. Uh, no, Liam Neeson very... is in it as well. Yes. <laughs> Which is kind of strange watching him play a Russian, but, <laughs> uh, but even when he's in Taken, that he's supposed to be in CIA, but he's clearly Irish. And yes. <laughs> but, um, but okay. And then the graphics in Plague Tale, um, that you mentioned as well, the gameplay, the voice acting, uh, what do you guys think of the graphics? Beautiful. Hands down, one of the most beautiful $40 games I've ever seen. Yeah, if you told me this is a $60 AAA budget title, when I first played it, I would have believed you very easily. It looks very, very good. The Wow. The attention to detail that has been put into this game is astonishing. Uh, one of the biggest things I can compliment the makers of this game is the developed, uh, well, the development and beauty that they put into the rat swarm. It looks insane. Yeah, Yeah, you're talking about hundreds, if not thousands of rats on the screen at one time. And never once did I see a single frame rate dropped. I never saw any lag or jittery. It just kept going and going and going and, and without stopping. So I was very impressed. Wow, okay. And then, uh, finally, about this game, you mentioned about that it's a kind of a stealth game as well. Now, with the uh, adventure games, a lot of us, including myself, we, a lot of us, we, we like it when there's, I would say, no combat or little combat. Um, but how do you think maybe people who are not used to combat or stealth will fare with the stealth sections in this game? Do you think that... Uh, was it very challenging or the different settings or do you think people will be able to get through them? I know you mentioned that you yourself that you didn't find it too frustrating, uh, but for other people maybe who are not so used to playing stealth or combat uh, in games, how do you think they would fare? I'd say for the majority of this game, it'll be just fine. There's, there's, okay. there's a couple of moments where you'll fight a boss and Chris, you may need to speak to more of this because you've, you've seen the, the entire game, you know, you'll, you'll face off against an enemy and you have to do some dodging and rolling and, um, you know, targeting of armor pieces with your sling, but, uh, they're, they're very few and far between for, for the most part. It's a very, uh, methodical game. It's, I would not call this an action game by any stretch of the imagination, uh, it's a it's a game of patience more than it is of twitch reflexes. Yeah, and I, I will wholeheartedly agree. I can think of four four boss fights in the entire game, mm-hmm. and each one of them is a very simple pattern. That within three three to five minutes of just kind of watching the fight develop, you'll figure out the pattern. And I think at most it only ever took me like three tries to ever beat a boss mm-hmm. and it it's very simple mechanics there's nothing super complex 
this this game is through and through about the story and the immersion into the narrative. Yeah, and it's clear that's what the developer wanted you to walk away from with this game is the narrative. Uh, it, it never feels oppressive. Uh, I, I honestly could maybe count on one hand the number of times I died in the first half of the game that I played. And and uh, I, I I feel bad sitting here praising a game that I haven't finished, uh, but <laughs> I, I didn't stop playing it for lack of wanting to play it. I just needed to move on to something else. And I really wish I could have gone back and finished it. Right. No, that's that's understandable. No, I, I know because you guys on your podcast talk about all types of games. Myself and Thomas talk about adventure games, but even we can't play all the all the adventure games that are being released. It's, yeah, so, hashtag too many games. Yes, yes. I, and I said before, if, if some develop, I mean, it's, it's a great problem to have. But if developers could, you know, stop making games for one or two years and let us play all the games in our backlog, that would be great. Oh, man, but... everybody would riot if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, cool. okay. So uh, then finally, finally, did you come across any puzzles in the game as such? And you mentioned that it was focused mainly on the narrative and then there's some stealth sequences. Were there any uh, particular type of puzzles in the game? Or was it mainly focused on narrative? Mostly focused on narrative. There's there's a couple minor puzzles, but nothing super complex like find find this item and use it here. Right. So there there's nothing like find six items, combine them together, inspect it in <laughs> kind of like a Laura Croft like Tomb Raider style. There's nothing that complex. There's no like sliding tile puzzles or anything like that. Most of <laughs> what you, you would consider a puzzle in this game are, are more or less, how am I going to navigate my way through this environment and find a proper pathway without getting spotted? So if you consider that a puzzle, sure, this has some puzzle elements to it, but not playing traditional puzzles that you would see in a point-and-click adventure game or if you played like Resident Evil games. There, actually, that. come to think of it, there is two sections that there are slightly more complex puzzles. And I don't know how far you got Scott, but there's a, a point in time where you actually go back to the estate that you start in the game. Okay. And there are actually two puzzles that you have to unlock to get through the narrative. I mean, through the narrative. Gotcha. Okay. And they were actually really simple, but enjoyable puzzles. So. Very cool. Okay. No, because in I mean, for those of us who play point-and-click adventure games, we are well used to these bizarre puzzles where you, to get an item from one person, they need to combine it with one item, combine it with two or three other items, and then use it to open a door. And uh, but there, you know, there there are puzzles in adventure games where you need to combine many items to say open a glass cabinet. But then you have a baseball bat, and you can just use that to break it. So that's a, that's kind of a tip, and not so much now. The last few years, I've noticed, but but yeah. So okay, so very high recommendation for that game. And then, so how how high would you rate this game, more or less, so far in the first half of the the year? Out of all the games that you guys have played, uh, do you you know do, would you say it would be in your top ten or top twenty or top five? Oh, wow. 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 And you play all different types of games. So not yes. just narrative adventure games. So, wow, that's really impressive. And I know, Scott, you haven't finished it, but from what you played, 
Um, I don't know if it's fair to ask because you you haven't really, but you, I'll ask you then as well. How would you rate it? From yeah, the, I, I feel it's not fair for me to to really to really say either <laughs> since I've finished it. But if I had to, I'd probably say my top ten. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. So at least of the first. One. So okay, so that game is a Plague Tale Innocence, and you can get it online on Steam and I believe GOG. Although I'll have, I'll have to check and um, places. So. Okay, it's so on sale on, it's actually on sale on Xbox Live right now for thirty percent off. Oh, do you know for how long? Uh, I just literally got a a tweet from Major Nelson over there. Uh, they don't really say how long it lasts, but uh, you can get it for thirty four ninety nine uh, US on Xbox Live right now. I assume that would carry over to Europe, but I'm not certain. Okay, well I'll check it out. I'll, I'll try and put the link in if, <laughs> and and then hopefully by next. By the time we, this recording goes up on a Friday, it'll still be there. But still, worked definitely worth checking out, and I hope to check it out myself. So, a uh, second game that was just released, and I spoke about it in the previous episode last week, is Sea of Solitude, which is, uh, I believe, an EA original. Now, I, I don't usually associate EA games with adventure games, or at least with narrative games, or... Anything original? Sorry, that's maybe too harsh, but <laughs> because yeah, usually I like when I think of EA, I think of you know FIFA or Madden or uh, you know something like that. But I believe uh, as well, the two of you played Scott. You finished the game, right? Yes, I did. Believe it or not, I I finished this game in literally one sitting. I sat down uh, one evening and I just enjoyed it so much I could not put the controller down. Well, it took me about four hours, and I I was shocked at how much I enjoyed this game. I I will, yeah, Yeah. two for two. Go ahead. (laughs) I I will (laughs) say that uh, it's one I cautiously recommend people because there is very little in terms of gameplay with this game, and I know that might be an attraction for uh, uh, for your audience because you guys are are very much narrative driven, and that's what you focus on. But there is very little to do. Uh, as your character, it's it's more or less moving from A to B to move along the story, uh, you know, clicking on things. Uh, I mean, we, I play with a controller, so it's not like clicking with a mouse, but, um, mm. you know, m- moving to something and moving a beam of light to something to shine this and wandering around the area trying to trigger certain events. Um, so I really enjoyed this game, but I would not call it fun. And I don't mean that to sound like a. I don't mean that to sound like a, a hardcore negative about it. I just don't want people to go in expecting uh, some big grand adventure. Yeah, yeah. The, when we talked about this on our podcast, I compared it to the game Journey, which I notoriously was not a fan of, uh, but I enjoyed this one, which is interesting. Why it's an interesting comparison. This is what I wanted Journey to be. I think was a narrative adventure that had an interesting story to tell instead of having to create one in my own mind. And I, I would liken the gameplay of, of this to Journey in that it's it's some very minor platforming, getting to something, picking it up, moving it to somewhere else, or clicking on objects to make the pathway clear. So, But if you're okay with that, this is a must, absolute must play. I... Oh, there is some the, the game does not pull any punches. And Chris, you can back me up on this. 
the it, it deals with uh, depression and mental disorders and bullying, and it, it does it in a respectful way without letting up on your emotions. It really doesn't pull any punches, and, and some of the dialogue that happens between these characters uh, is is hard to listen to. Yes, it, it, it it's brutal. Yeah. They're, the the very first segment of the game, if if you are familiar with bullying in any way, shape, or form, it it's a slap in the face, mm-hmm. and it's it's basically accelerator down and go. Yes. Um, I I I really want to like this game more. I'm currently once we get done here, I'm actually probably going to go finish it, but I do have problems with. The, the, the pacing for me is not the greatest and I, I wish there was a little more to do in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, unlike Scott, I tend to try and find everything lately. Yeah. Uh, there's like <laughs> shoe You can shoe birds in this game and it makes it something to do and find messages in bottles. But for, for the price that this game is, uh, I, I paid 17, $17.99 for it. I'm really enjoying just the narrative itself because yeah. it is very well crafted. I agree. You play as a, as a young girl named Kay who basically washes up in a boat and she looks like a monster. Her, her um, demeanor is very shadowy. Uh, she does, you don't really see any real definition of her face. And she is experiencing memories from her past and the people from her past, and I'm going to dance around the narrative because I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, but you as Kay basically go through and relive some of her memories from her past. And you run into actual members of her family that uh, appear to her in this world as monsters, but they're even at a grander scale than she is. You almost get the impression that... Uh, you know, she is trans starting her transformation into a monster because of some of the things she's dealing with on a personal level. And these other members of her family are, I'm not going to say beyond help, but they are grand yeah. monsters. There's, there's definitely some significant psychological trauma. Yes. And it's fascinating to watch because I, I really appreciate, like I mentioned at the top of this review, how, they, it's the conversations, like I said, are just uncomfortable to listen to. You kind of want to stop listening, but you can't because they're so well done and feel so realistic. And, uh, and, and then on top of that, the art style is stunning. It, I mean, it, it does it's, not have it's a simple, but it's, it's yeah. very well crafted. It's very artistic. I would not say it looks realistic. The characters definitely look like they're animated. Uh, but it's just beautiful to look at. Just every scene just is very fantastic. And even the characters themselves, when they speak, their mouths don't move. They just kind of stare and they kind of move their, they kind of u- uh, use their bodies for for body language while the voice is coming out of them. And it's it gives a very eerie, offsetting uh, addition to the game, which is which is really something great to see. Right. Okay. No, that sounds very intriguing. But I, I know exactly what you mean with when a game, you know, deals with 
you know, mental illness or bullying as well, because uh, a game that I played back in January, it's a detective game it's called Rainswept, but then I was unprepared for the story because it's not your typical game or detective game, because, well, first of all, you play as a detective who himself has some psychological issues. The first thing that happens to him when he arrives on the scene is he collapses, and then you realize, you know, get more of his backstory and you see more of his psychological issues. But then you play as uh, the characters who, who who died. And little by little, you you know, they're not just, you know, victims. They come up, they're real people. And then it deals, you know, with, I think a character has probably, you know, suffered from, you know, bipolar and psychological issues. And But it seems very, very real. And I know people you know, kind of similar. It's like, oh my God, this is exactly like this person. And it's very, it's, at times that game is also very uncomfortable, but very real. And so I know exactly what you, what you mean. So, so you said that this game deals with, uh, you know, these topics in a respectful manner. And, um, and Chris, you played a little bit as well. You'll probably finish it uh, later on. And, and I mentioned a bit about the control that there's some minor platforming and that you, from what I saw, you, you're on a boat as well. Um, what, what was that about? (laughs) So her, her world has kind of, uh, flooded. Uh, I guess the, the, the best way I can describe it is it's a sea of emotion. And it's, it's a metaphor. It really is a metaphor. metaphor. Right. And her boat, uh, in the beginning, she's given a light and, you use the light to kind of traverse through everything. So it's kind of that, once again, a metaphor, you have that ray of hope kind of guiding you through everything. And as you deal with some of the psychological trauma, everything either lightens up or darkens down. It's very, like I said, very well put together and very simple, but the, the narrative is complex enough that it conveys enough emotion that it actually really kind of tugs at you. It does. It really does. Okay, so it, it won't be winning comedy game of the year. <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> so, and, uh, and then uh, you mentioned now the, there are minor platforming elements. What, what are those elements like and how challenging are they? They're actually really simple, uh, kind of climbing on boxes to reach ledges or going up ladders to move to another area because either the flooded area is blocking something or a door won't open. So you have to get to the other side of the wall to open the door to then allow your boat to come through. There are, okay. Yeah, there are, there are, the most challenging part of the plat, the platforming, I say that in air quotes, is uh, sometimes you actually have to cross narrow uh, water areas. And there is a one of the monsters is swimming around in, in the water and you have to time it correctly so that the monster is further away that you can get across without getting captured. Because if you get captured, this monster throws you up in the air and swallows you whole. So that can be a little bit stressful, but the checkpoints are so forgiving in this game that even if you do mess it up, you're right back in the game very quickly and it doesn't take you long to overcome it. It's clear that the developers wanted you to experience the story more than anything, and the gameplay just feels like a gateway to get you there quicker. Okay, 
Okay, no, that's that's good to hear. And then again, what's the voice acting like in the game? Because we hear I heard some from the trailer. But o- overall, what did you think? I, I would say it's it's good, not great, but I'm also using the last game we spoke about as a comparison, where those were voices that were supposed to sound like real people, and these voices are heavily modulated to sound like the monsters that they are. So it, it, it's done well, but uh, not to the level of a Plague Tale, at least in my mind. Chris, do you agree? Yeah, uh, wholeheartedly. And I think some of that comes across with the fact that this is truly a budget title. Yeah, this is only 20 bucks. So Right. <laughs> oh, but, well, that's, that's expensive. <laughs> that's understandable. But it, the, it's, it's competent voice acting. Yeah. I'll give it that. It's it's not going to win a BAFTA or anything like that, but it's it's good enough to convey the message that they're trying to put forth. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. Okay. And then the the graphics. Then uh, now we talked a little bit about you know how it looks. We talked about how it's a budget title, but considering again how it is a budget title, how would you des- describe the graphics? And do you think that it it achieved what it set out to do? Or could it be done better? Um, the biggest thing I can say is for what the developers wanted to put across, it's simple and pure. Yeah, and it conveys okay. the message that they want to get across just fine. Okay, cool. So overall, you guys recommend the Sea of Solitude then? If, if you have a strong stomach for dealing with <laughs> complex emotions and issues... Yes. Um, it's it's a very good foray into gaming where they are bringing mental illness and other things forward for people to be able to cope with them. Okay. I agree. Yeah, I would recommend it as well. It's it's a I feel like it's a, it's the perfect length. It it shouldn't have been any shorter or any longer. Uh never overstay its welcome and uh yeah, if you've got a if you're prepared, I'm not going to say this is going to drive you to tears or anything like that, but it's going to make you squirm in your seat a little bit and uh, maybe even rethink the way that you act around some other people, I would say. Uh, and I mean that in a good way. It might challenge mm. you a bit. Okay. Well, that's that sounds intriguing at least. And so now the, the game that I'll be reviewing on this episode next is uh, Draugen, which also deals kind of with, uh, without spoiling anything, it deals with kind of mental uh, issues as well, psychological issues and suicide, but in a respectful way as well. So this week we have game with the involving the Inquisition and rats where fa- the family dies. We have bullying. We have <laughs> mental, <laughs> mental kind of issues. Turning out to be a little depressing here. <laughs> have, I'm going to need a hug afterwards. A, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry, Mister. <laughs> And then the next review, it will. I'll try. I'll try and be positive. But I think we'll be positive that the, the deal with these, as we mentioned, in, in this uh, respectful way. And uh, I can say probably from what I'm hearing, at least, that the positive is not all like completely negative. You know, woe is me. The world is terrible. Or at least that's what I'm getting from the games that uh, you guys are talking about. Yeah, I mean, the, well, Plague Tale Innocence. <laughs> it's it's a it's a very heavy burden to bear but in the very end it's it's a very gift wrap bow and makes you feel better 
Okay, that's good to hear. So, okay, so those get that game again was Sea of Solitude. So it's available. Uh, where, where is it available? It's available. I saw on Origin.com, which is where I found it. But where else is it available? Uh, I've, I'm playing it on Xbox. I know Scott is as well. Yes. Okay. And just one thing to clear up, too, it is published by EA, but it's actually not developed by EA. Right. Uh, the developer is Joe May, J-O-M-E-I. I uh, just want to make sure that was that was clear. Right, yeah, so they just published, well, just, they, they published it. Um, mm-hmm. The developer is Joe May. So, um, okay, so that's a Plague Tale Innocence and Sea of Solitude. Now, before I finish with you guys on... On your podcast, I believe you are hosting a convention, uh, I heard, on the latest episode. So so for people who might not have heard that episode, uh, people listen to you know, Venture Games Podcast, what can you tell us about the convention that you guys are hosting? Oh, well, sure, sure. I can tell you that we are so excited <laughs> to be hosting the first video game convention in our town of Rockford, Illinois. So hopefully you've got some uh, U.S. listeners or maybe some uh, people from your area that are visiting the States that uh, might mm-hmm. be able to come out for this because uh, we've got about 17 or 18 vendor tables where people will be selling classic, uh, well, actually video games from every console generation. Uh, we're going to have uh, Chris bringing pieces from his personal collection for people to try rare and expensive games uh, just, you know, with their, with their admission ticket, not no extra cost. And then the, the, the kicker is we've got a couple of voice actresses coming from Los Angeles. Uh, Sissy Jones, who is mo- known mostly for uh, Firewatch. She played Delilah in Firewatch. As well yes, as, yes. Wow. Yeah, as well as uh, she was Fury in Darksiders 3. And then we've also got Courtney Taylor coming, who uh, she played the female lead in Fallout 4. Uh, she was Ada Wong in Resident Evil. And uh, she's also been in, uh, let's see, Call of Duty Black Ops 4. And all kinds of different cartoons as well. So they're they're coming out for uh, signing autographs, taking pictures, maybe a little panel. Uh, all in all, it's just going to be an awesome, awesome event. And we hope that this is going to be the first year of many successful video game conventions in uh, in our city of Rockford. Did I cover all the bases there, Chris? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. If you'd like more information on it or would like to purchase tickets, you can go to our website, thegamingoutsider.com forward slash R2V2. And uh, <laughs> R2, so it's R, so that's letters and number R2V2? Correct. Yep. Like okay. v, v like Victor. I love it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, well, I'll definitely put it on the show notes, and I would definitely recommend that uh, people listen to your gaming, the Gaming Outsider podcast. You speak, as you mentioned, about some adventure games, with, like we've talked about. You spoke about Plague Tale Innocence and Sea of Solitude, and also other games that I think uh, listeners might be interested in that have narrative, and also just other games in general. And as I mentioned, I really do appreciate the positivity of the podcast that. You know, you don't go, oh, this game sucks. This game is, um, you know, you find what's good about the games and you really appreciate gaming in general. So a thank you from my end. Oh, I appreciate Um, that, man. We we do try to remain positive. And I want to be clear that we are still critical of games. You know, we don't have... Yes, yes. I meant to say that as well. I don't want to want to make it sound like we're just like all rainbows <laughs> and sunshine for every single game. Uh, we, we've talked about quite a few games in the last couple of weeks that both Chris and I were not 
big fans, fans of. of. But uh, we also know that these developers have put hours and hours of work and effort into making these games. And uh, I'm, I'm not one to make somebody feel bad, but I, I have no problem explaining where I have slight issues with games. So we, we end every podcast saying that there's no such thing as a bad game, just games that aren't for you. And we don't necessarily mean that literally. We, we know that games like <laughs> Superman 64 exist. But uh, plumbers don't wear ties. Oh, don't don't ever play that game, Shorsha. I'm telling you right now. Hey, Stay it far. is a narrative game. It is a narrative game. You're not wrong. <laughs> I think you should send. I think you should send them your copy and make them play it. Well, believe it or not, you can actually play through the entire game on YouTube. Oh, there you go. Enjoy that, Shorsha. Really? Yeah. On yep, YouTube. They, they actually took all the scenes and record like somebody recorded them put them on youtube and you'll come to narrative intersections where it's like oh choose option a b or c and so you have to click the right video and it will take you to the next set okay i'll have to check it i'll have to check no. it out now i'm curious no, you shouldn't <laughs> you you will you will regret every moment that you do <laughs> might be the oh, worst that... game i've ever played shorsha well, that kind of sounds like my life, you know, regretting every moment. No, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I, I do uh, I do understand where you guys are coming from to be critical because myself and Tomas as well, you know, we try to be, you know, positive, but we are critical and we have to be as well because we do understand, especially with adventure game developers, most if not all of them are indie developers. And right. usually it's one or two people making these games. And I've spoken to a lot of these developers that, and they, the amount of work and sacrifices that they make. But then again, I do think that we have a duty as well to be honest. You know, if the game doesn't work, to let to say, okay, where, what issues did we have with the game? Where do we think they could improve on? And what did work for us as well? So, um, but yeah, when, when I say that you're positive, I don't mean that you... Uh, that you love every game you play, but that you're not, I don't come a feeling, you know, negative, you know, it's some other podcasts or reviews that they're just intentionally, and sometimes, you know, snarky reviews, you know, movie reviews and that, that can be very funny, but they can be a bit mean as well. But I do appreciate your podcast where, you know, you basically are nice and, and funny and that's, so, <laughs> um, so that's a game. Yeah. No, um, so that's uh, the Gaming Outsider podcast. That's uh, now I'm going to try the names again. So that's Scott Clark and Chris Berensmeyer. Like <laughs> you got it, man. Two for two. Wow. Well, I think I can speak German fluently now at this stage. <laughs> I'll send a degree. Now I'll, <laughs> now I'll try Polish last names. <laughs> Good luck with that one. So. Thank you very much. So, anything else you guys would like to mention before we before we wrap it up? Um, anything you have to say, Scott? I'd say just uh, if you'd like to check out our show, you can hear us on iTunes, on uh, Google Play Music, and even on Spotify. And uh, we also would love to hear from you in in regards to uh, how we're doing on the podcast. If you could give us an iTunes review, we actually take those reviews to heart. Uh, but Shorsha and Thomas will probably have to let us know if uh, you guys post it on the Irish iTunes because we can't see them, unfortunately. So you have to let us know when somebody oh, really? posts something for us. Oh. Yeah, I will be yeah. sure to let you know. Only if it's positive, right? Well, I'm sure it will be positive. No, we, we want to hear it all, man. We've actually made joking, significant yeah. changes uh, in the show based on, on iTunes reviews. So um, 
Yeah, we, we, we take it to heart because we at the end of the day, we know what we're putting together is for our audience and we want to give them what they want. So something needs to be changed. We want to hear yep. about it. Yep. The same goes for me. If uh, there's anything that you guys would want to hear more of or less of or you don't like, you can let me know um, because if nobody says anything, we presume that we're doing a great job. But then if people contact us and say, no, I think you should do this, then, yeah, I will also take it to heart. So it's great to hear that you listen to feedback from listeners as well. So, um, okay. Well, I hope to speak to you guys again soon. Hopefully when you next play some narrative or adventure game, we can talk again. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the show. I can't wait to hear more about the conference that you're hosting. So, um, uh, we'll, we'll so thank you very much. We'll be posting it all on our Facebook group for sure. And, and Shorsha, thanks so much for having us. It was an honor to be here. Yes, yep. anytime. No, thank, thank you very much. So now I'll be going back to Thomas, who's been very patiently waiting. <laughs> Sounds good. So thank you very much, guys. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Okay, so we're we're back. <laughs> that, wow, that was a long that was a long <laughs> break, huh, Thomas? <laughs> yeah, well, they had a lot to say. <laughs> they did. No, I had a very interesting discussion with Scott and Chris. You heard them speaking about a Plague Tale: Innocence and Sea of Solitude, and they also spoke about their uh, the convention that they're doing in Illinois. So, if anyone's around there, be sure to check it out. And no, also, if you haven't, by the way, if anybody from the Gaming Outsider is listening, hello, I meant to say hello to you at the beginning, but, uh, but you appear, Thomas, as well, you know, you know them as well. And as Scott mentioned yes. that he set up this podcast uh, four years ago to try and speak positively about games, that he's sick of people kind of speaking ne negatively about games and gaming. So he wanted to bring a positive influence on, on games as a whole. Um, do you think he has, I, do you think he has uh, achieved that? Yeah. Um, they are in general honest about games and they love games. So that constitutes a lot of uh, positive reviews, but not all of them. I mean, they really are honest in mm -hmm. uh, and and myself as well when I appear on there. Uh, it's not like they're trying to suck up or anything. It's just, you know, this is what we think of it. And uh, if it's good, it's good. And if they love it, they love it. And if it's not, then it's not. And they will tell you. And they involve the community a lot in uh, everything they do. They have uh, um, uh, questions. Um, they call it from the outside in topics where they pose a question in the Facebook group or on the Discord channel. And everybody can react to that. And that often leads to very interesting discussions. And they uh, take that into the, uh, into the show itself. And um, I, I really like that. It's in general a, a very, very positive atmosphere uh, in, in this group, in this community, because it really is a community. Yes, no, I mentioned that to them. And also when, when you know, I say that they're positive, again, the mean is that even when they're critical of games, they're not nasty, they're not mean-spirited, they're not, you know, like spiteful. They are still very nice people who really love games as well. So... So yeah, I would. Yeah, except for ex except for Zach, he can be very uh, sarcastic. Uh... <laughs> okay, so everybody except for Zach. He's a, yeah, he's a Batman level cynic. So. <laughs> <laughs> but when he loves something, he really loves something, and he brings a lot of humor. So it's a good mix of um, of, of hosts there. Uh, uh, Scott is usually is uh, al almost always there, and Zach is almost always there, and uh, uh, we have uh, CB and CO, Chris Owens and Chris Berensmeyer, and they tend to 
uh, switch every week because they uh, they have with work but um, it, it it's a good combination and uh, I met all those guys when I was in the United States and it's a fun fun group to hang out with as well and they really really know their business um, Chris is Chris Berensmeyer is an incredible collector of retro games yes you uh, mentioned insane <laughs> I've, I've seen this collection it's crazy it's awesome the guy knows everything it's it's really cool okay well so so yeah so this is my shout out to them (laughs) yeah well i hope to have them on the show again sometime the next time they play an adventure game and again really cool people so this episode was sponsored by gaming outsider no it wasn't (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no but really genuinely really good uh, podcast and community there so you can check that out i'll include links in the show notes as well so so that is it for for this week. Another another week, another episode has gone by. So next uh, next week I will be joined by uh, Steve Adamson from Gearworks Production. Again, I mentioned he has he has his game Mind Trap out on Indiegogo now. Now we don't actually speak about his game Mind Trap. We speak about another game that he is currently working on called David Slade Mysteries, which. Looks really nice. Again, he, he's like a one-man studio, one-man team uh, looking to, to release this game into the near future as well. So we speak about that. We speak about his opinion on narrative games and developing games as well and how you know he goes about doing a, being a one-man studio. So really interesting conversation I had with him. And so that will be next week. And then the week after, myself and Tomas will be back. So we'll be hearing more about uh, Nightcall. I imagine. I hope so. I hope so. I hope to have cracked more than one case by then. <laughs> and hopefully you can keep your taxi. Yeah. So I, yeah. I will try to play NeoCab so we can get the demo of NeoCab so we can compare and contrast and um, and then see if we can get something else there as well. So, uh, yeah. So anything else you'd like to add, Tomas, before we leave? Yeah, because today. we obviously have a, uh, a, we also have a community who love uh, stories mostly. Otherwise, you wouldn't be playing adventure mm-hmm. games, and uh, and we have a community who listens to podcasts. So I recently discovered uh, two podcasts that um, I found very very interesting. One of them is called The White Vault, and there is now two seasons of it, and um, it's a yeah, it's about a research team that goes to a very distant Icelandic island and um, things go horribly wrong there. And it's got a bit of a Lovecraftian feel to it. Um, it's got amazing voice actors and it's really tense and fun to listen to. So that's The White Fold. And the other one is, I think, from the same producers. And that's a science fiction one. And that one just started. At, I think it's only got four episodes up to until now. And that is called Vast Horizon, about um, a... Um, uh, uh, what's it called? Generation ship, you know, where they go to a different, pla- a different planet to settle. And someone wakes up, uh, Dr. Nolina, Nolira Ek, and... Uh, she's the only one, seemingly the only one left on the ship, and she's trying to survive. And it's also really, uh, really good so far. So I wanted to uh, recommend those two podcasts, The White Vault and Vast Horizon. Uh, they have nothing to do with us. I, I'm just listening to those stories because they're <laughs> bloody cool. 
Okay, they're, they're not sponsoring this podcast, not yet at least. <laughs> no, but I was listening to Vast Horizon because that was the most recent one. And when I was listening to it, I was actually thinking like, this this almost sounds like someone who is in an adventure game and trying to, you know, alone on a spaceship, trying to uh, uh, cl- close doors, a corridor she can't get through, and she has to find out all kinds of ways to survive. It sounded like it was like a like an adventure game. So really appealed to me. Cool. Okay, I'll have to check it out. And um, does he ever combine? Do they ever combine objects together? Like are any crazy inventory combinations? Uh, that might happen. Oh, okay. Well, actually, since we're plugging podcasts, there is one that I've been listening to. It's called Breakers. It's a post-apocalyptic podcast, and the main character is he well, kind of similar to The Walking Dead because he meets a little girl and he has to take care of her in this post-apocalyptic world as well. And it's, I believe that they have finished. I haven't listened to the ending yet, but again, they meet some uh, different people. I don't want to give too much away, but I really, really enjoy it as well. The voice acting is great. The writing is great. So that's Breakers, B-R-E-A-K-E-R-S. So so that's uh, that's it for this special plugging podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, okay, well, thank you very much. Thomas for joining me as always and as I mentioned I'm here next week with Steve Adamson from Gearworks Productions so have a good week everybody bye bye so if you like the Adventure Games podcast then please subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts please leave a review on itunes if you can as every review helps and reviews will help get the word out especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast now you can also follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at advent game pod and follow me on facebook at adventure games podcast you can also follow me on instagram at adventure games podcast as well and we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or a Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it. And you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com. So until next time, thank you.